Hello, welcome back to Mad Yet Mighty. I'm your host, Megan Cipollone, and I'm just going to get straight to it. I'm kind of in a reeling phase right now, and I know that I'm one of very many people who are going through what I like to call the post-show, <laughs> post-show, the post-show blues. I'm kind of feeling a little bit of post-show blues, and I know that I am not the only one feeling this way. What am I talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is, and I know that the people who watch the show get it and know the people who don't probably know what I'm talking about because it's all anyone's been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And what I'm talking about is Game of Thrones, y'all. Game of Thrones is done. Game of Thrones is through, no more, no longer. And I tell you, so I even, the last kind of, I don't know if I like, I, I've, so okay, I go through these like creative spouts. So I'm like, I have these like peaks of moments where I just feel like I have creativity and thought and inner monologue just ringing through my body just just like but like coming out of my pores to the point where I'm literally taking notes constantly all day long writing down thoughts reactions this 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 and then I go through periods of time where I I just I always compare it to Austin Powers losing his mother friggin mojo that's what it feels like for me. And I and I and I always say that. And I don't know if people understand what I say or what I mean when I mean when I say that, but that's what I mean. I just feel like that syringe just has sucked my mojo right out of me and I just feel blah and bleh. And you know, there's obvious reasons for that. One, I'm a female, so that happens sometimes. Two, um, you know, sometimes I just have to kind of like unplug myself and just kind of not and just recharge and kind of reground so there's one thing because I can get really overstimulated um and just especially with what I like to involve my time like reading and researching and no and and watching and all the things I can sometimes just feel like over processed and overstimulated and I and I need to just pull myself, just pull myself out for a little bit, which is fine, you know, just unplug, turn it off, which is totally okay. So, so yeah, anyways, that's what I was doing for like the last two weeks, just kind of disconnect, get my time to like freshen my eyes again, ground myself. And I don't know if I also was like preparing myself. I, I, I feel like We've been preparing ourselves this whole last season. And I'm sorry if you're not a Game of Thrones person, but I am. And that's what I want to talk about. So I'm going to talk about it. You can either sit and join us at the dinner table or you can leave. Either way, I'm cool. Going to go back. Um, so, yeah, we've been I, and I, I feel like I've been preparing myself mentally. I've been preparing myself mentally all season long. I just... I want I felt I was preparing myself for heartbreak. I think we were all preparing ourselves for heartbreak. Everyone who was a fan. 
what's happening right now is that there is got the season eight, which is done and over with this last this past Sunday was the finality. So it's done. And, and I'm and we're and we're talking about it. It's what's happening is, is there's been a lot of there's been a lot of negative criticism towards the show because typically seasons have been eight episodes, 10 or eight, eight, 10 around that. And this last season was six episodes. People, after I think episode three happened, I think people started to go downhill a little bit and get nervous and get upset and start to say that they're not like people, long story short, just black and white, were saying that they were unhappy with the writing. They're unhappy with the character, all the seasons of character development, and nothing's happened. It it's just this. I'm I'm still I feel like I was trying to digest it before I came on here, but I feel like I'm still kind of digesting how I truly, honestly, really feel. And here's the thing for me, flat out. I love television and I love film and I love movies. So I never truly hate anything. Never, never, never truly because I love it so much. I love every element. I love everything about it. I love it so much that I could never truly hate it, especially when it's a show that I have been devoted to, when I've spent time investing and loving and learning everything about these characters, everything about these storylines, these in-depth, these detailed, beautiful storylines and people I get I get so in love with that yes I I can critique and yes I will say things that I liked and I didn't like however at the end of the day collectively I'm still gonna say you know what like I'm a I am a true I am a true fan and I love it so wholeheartedly that (laughs) no no matter if it was a even a bigger pile and I'm not gonna I'm not saying it's a steaming pile of shit but even if it was a bigger steaming pile of shit than some people say I still would love it hell this is the person who read all of the Twilight books and those movies were hot steaming piles of loads but I love them and I think they are phenomenal phenomenal pieces of cinema (laughs) anyways that's a joke if you clearly can tell um So here's what happened with Game of Thrones. We've fans, lovers, obsessive fans of the show. We've watched. We've we've fallen in love. We have watched drama and heartbreak and really crazy twists and turns and deaths and triumphs. And we in our minds, you know, people create what they people create what they want. And and yes, I understand that there are characters who. I mean, bottom line, did they cram a lot into six episodes? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't ignore that. So were there decisions that had to be made that had to have that? Jesus, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to say that sentence. Were there decisions that had to be made? Yeah, they had to make decisions. And then the argument goes that apparently HBO wanted more. But the writers didn't. And, you know, I don't know who's who, who, you know, he said, she said, what's right. People say that the writers were tired um, over it. You know, they're going on to do Star Wars. They just wanted to be what. Okay, so we got what we got. And 
we got a beautiful, beautiful show. We had a beautiful, beautiful, one of the top shows that we will probably ever see in our lifetime is what happened. I mean, everything down from every freaking detail, shot, design in the costumes to the wig. Danny's wig, Danny's finale wig was insane. I had, I've never seen a wig and actually knowing somebody who went to school and like handmade wigs. She actually was the costume director of my drama department or like helped out with costumes and my drama department. Um, And she would bring her wigs to play practice. And I remember watching her piece by piece strand by strand hair by freaking hair so these hairs and so when I saw that like that final wig I absolutely took my breath away if you haven't look up a picture of the of Danny's Danny's finale wig because it's absolutely insane so down to every detail every yeah every every choice down to every from every actor on that show I mean it was some of the greatest acting some of the greatest television cinematography we're ever going to see I mean the the quality of this show is more is there's more quality in one episode of this show than there are some movies and movie theaters think about that and this show's on weekly weekly playing through the television in our homes it has more quality and more probably more and more money than some films that make it to theaters and we're getting it every single week so that alone is absolutely mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Um, that being said, there are things that I wished would have happened. Of course, everyone has things that they wish would have happened. I mean, my God. I- I'm just straight off the bat, a couple of things that I'm still kind of sad about as somebody who's been such a huge 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 fan now like I said I'm I'm gonna say this but I'm saying this with love for the show this is not bad like because I cannot stand people who go to social media and bash things or who bit like I hate haters like I will hate on haters I think haters are so annoying and so unoriginal like it's so unoriginal to hate shit and it's so unoriginal to spew shit that I just can't stand it (laughs) so if you say that you hate it, like, cool. Like, I feel bad because, like, when I talk with some people, they I feel like they get mad at me because when I'm, like, when they ask if I like something and I said, yeah, like, I liked it and, like, and I'm excited to talk about it. Or I, I, and, you know, I'm excited to talk about even what you didn't like. But when somebody right off the bat's like, oh, my God, no, I hated it. It sucked. Okay, well, quite frankly, I, I don't want to talk to you about it then. I mean, like, yeah, like, let's talk. Okay. Yeah, like, 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 I want to hear, but I. I don't give a shit like I want to talk also about like what like more like not what I liked or disliked I just want I just I just want to talk about it so the whole there were at last time I heard there were a million people who had signed this petition for Game of Thrones season eight to be completely redone which for one, anyone who actually spent any lick of time to sign that, I, I laugh in your face because why? That's so stupid. They're not going to do it. Come on. Come on. You really, really honestly know. And one, no, like we, we are not, we are not going to start living in a time where now creators and writers and makers and visionaries are going to, you know, what happened happened and it sucked. And I'm 
going to get into more of what I specifically, but it, I need to go on this rant first. Like creators will put out what they're going to put out and we're going to take that as the art and as the viewer and as the receiver, we're going to take it, we're going to digest it, we're going to have an opinion about it and then we're going to move on. We're not going to cry and bitch and scream to get it redone because we don't like it. That's not how it works. Look at it, find things about it, find things about it that that's what that you that are good like oh and see this is why I just so that's why I struggle talking with people about it sometimes because like I don't want to hear what you like what you hate about it like I want like I want to talk about but yeah of course sometimes like I can get as critiquey as the next person absolutely but it's coming from a constructive place so let's get down and freaking dirty with it first off hands down one of the things that I am most devastated about is that Circe who is one of our biggest characters if arguably not the the villain of the show which is such a huge huge honor and for Lena Headley to play the part that she played she is a goddess okay y'all I don't even know if you know but she also plays the wife in 300 and she's also a badass bitch in that um She's in more than that, but I just, people are, I, I was shocked when I found that out because she does, she looks totally different. Um, I'm devastated for her, not only as her, not, not only for the character, Circe, but for her as an actress to have this role, this entire show. And then for your final, your final script, your season eight script, and you're sitting down with it and you're opening it and you, this, this, this. The big bad. I mean, she's the head bitch in charge. And she, op- well, okay, besides Danny, but different, 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 but the same. The same, but different. Um, <laughs> She opens it up and I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? So I'm standing around. I'm fucking around with Euron Greyjoy, which don't even get me started on that whole bull, on that whole literal, like that's where I'm going to shit in my hand. Shit in your hand, Euron. That whole Euron Greyjoy storyline was so stupid and so pointless. Like, yeah, cool. And you know why they did it? Because they wanted to folk. They, they were so war concentrated, which I'm I'm totally fine with. Absolutely. We saw some iconic history making. Once again, iconic history making television. Okay, that was the longest. The Battle of Winterfell is, like I said in the pre in one of my pre probably the last two or three podcast was the longest running battle scene in all of film history and television history. It was pretty much the whole episode. It was wild, wild. So I went on that rant and I'm so sorry and I lost it. And we're just gonna, so we're just gonna keep going. Um, so yes, I'm totally <laughs> spacing. Hold please. Okay. Back to Cersei being the head bitch in charge. I was absolutely devastated that she got the death that she got. I think as a character, I think her character deserved more. I think her character deserved a death like Danny's. I think she, I think some of the characters and now, okay, let me back up because I'm. I want to make sure I'm going to make all of my points. We had some great deaths. We had some great secondary character deaths. Do not get me wrong. I do not understand why some of our main, our main true 
coursing arteries of the show were not given these beautifully crafted deaths. The fact that Cersei was not given a brutal and not because I wanted her because everyone's like, no, I, I hate her and I want I wanted her to die an evil death. OK, cool. Yeah, whatever. I wanted it more so for like her like this, like what she deserved. She deserved this big ass, bad ass death because she is the big bad. And she got cru- and she got crushed under fucking rubble. And okay, so that I was so yeah, I was I was upset about that. I was upset about that because I, as a viewer, and I, as watching her character, I wanted to see her character get this this bang of a death. It, it would have been ten times freaking cooler if Danny would have just blown up. What is it? Red's Keep or whatever. That would have been 10 times cooler and 10 times more badass. And I'm pretty sure Cersei would have wanted to go down that way. Like pretty sure. But also, and then this is where I come to think because like I know even though she's this cold hearted bitch, she is this woman inside who does who does love Jamie, even though she is an evil. I mean, she's an evil bitch because she's had she's had horrible, terrible, terrible things happen to her. So from an actor standpoint, you have to kind of think of if you were to play her, you have to actually believe that what you're doing, what you anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get too introspective. I don't want to get too introspective, but too nitpicky with everyone because we, we have to keep it underneath the time restraint. So I was upset about I was yeah, flat out was upset about Cersei. I think that was very anticlimactic. I felt very I was waiting to have my heart ripped out this entire show, this entire show. But before every single episode on Sunday, I paced around my family room. Sometimes before the Battle of Winterfell, I legitimately had to take, I legitimately had to take something because my heart was racing. I was, I was, because I was expecting to have somebody brutally killed unexpectedly at any point because that's what the show has been. And that's what we expect as the audience, as the, as the devoted audience of the show. We, we expect to get our heart ripped out. We expect the unexpected and we didn't get any of that. Now, I knew I was somebody who I had accepted and knew that Danny was going to die by the way that the show was going and by the way and by I was noticing, noticing very early on that we're making these very like we're making these very large leaps to very large decisions in quick in quick times. So I knew, OK, this is the track that they're on. And I I had a feeling I mean, I know most people do, but I actually have talked to some people who said that they didn't think Danny was going to die. And I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I always thought she was going to die. I didn't necessarily know. I was leaning always more so towards John killing her because, but see, that was my theory prior was that I swore that Jamie, I thought Jamie was going to do to Cersei what John did to Danny. I thought that's how Cersei, I thought that's how Cersei was going to die. And honestly, I was like, I was going to be cool with it. It was going to be this thing. Jamie was like, I was convinced. I was telling people at work. I was like, no, Jamie left Brienne because he's going to go back. He knows that he's the one. He's the only one that can get to Cersei because she trusts him and that he can kill her and he can end this. Like that was my, I was riding that theory. I was riding that horse hard for a while. I mean, up until it didn't uh, literally up until it didn't happen I was convinced and I had I mean other people were convinced I mean it was like I it was like a thing and then because then that made Brienne and Jamie's storyline just so pointless to me 
That made it pointless. Why did we spend time with this stupid making Jamie look like a fuckboy and making Jamie finally them sleep together and then him get up in the middle of the night like he's not even going to like say anything to her and go off and then go back to go back because he because he wants to be with Sierra. Like if he if that's f- cool, if you're going to like make Jamie go back and be with Cersei, make Jamie go back and be with, be with Cersei. Don't make him get with Brienne in the time. But then I guess he is a dude and he has to get his D wet sometimes. Right. I know that's really vulgar, but it's true. But still, don't use that up in the precious time we have in these episodes. Don't use that time on that stupid shit. So now this being said, once again, I've accepted all of this. I'm okay with all of this. And I feel like, you know, I was thinking this. I feel like this is like our therapy. This is our Game of Thrones therapy and just other therapy. This is my therapy. So you know what? We're just we're just going to get it. We're going to get it all we're going to get it all out and we're going to get through it together. Okay. You and me, or I mean, that's me. Yeah. Thinking that, you know, whoever, whoever's on the other end. Um, okay. Let's talk about something else that I really, I, I, I've struggled, I've struggled with, and I've struggled with the whole, the whole Arya thing. I knew she wasn't, people were so convinced she was going to kill Cersei and then she was going to kill Danny. And I was like, look, y'all, she's not, we want that would be a badass storyline for Arya. That would be an amazing storyline for Arya. But guess what? Amazing, great storylines probably are not going to happen. And it's too it's too perfect. It's too perfect. She killed the she killed the Night King. That's it. It's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I think people were waiting. And I honestly, I was kind of almost waiting to be proven wrong too. Because we, once again, she was built up. Arya was built up so much. We spent an entire season watching her train to become the girl with no name. The girl who can take faces, faces of the dead, and use that. There was a whole entire, very long season. And we never, ever, ever see it again. She's never used this skill, this power... I I mean that would have been sick. That would have been sick if that's how she killed the Night King. If she like I I I'm I guess I'm confused as that would make literally I mean she could take any face of any person that she killed. I I, I mean that's a lethal weapon right there. I mean that's that, that's what she was training to be. She was training to be a lethal weapon and we have this lethal weapon and she never uses it again. I don't get that. That loose end was sure as shit not tied up. Loose ends, man. I'll tell you who had really bad loose ends was October Road was the show that I was obsessed with, with Brian Greenberg, married to Jamie Chung on ABC, and they just up and ended it. And my life, it was like the, they just they just pulled the rug from underneath me. Okay, back to Game of Thrones. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, so, once again, was expecting just so much more. From Arya, just so much, I don't know. But I'm still, I'm also at peace with how they did, with how we do see her. We do see her going off. We see her sailing. We see her getting to, I don't know, go do whatever, whatever the hell she's going to go do. And let's talk about John. I mean, this was what I was really struggling with, was Jon Snow. Was Jon Snow in the, especially in the finale. Now, leading up to it, I was like, okay, okay, he's been Danny's warrior. He's been Danny's warrior. He's been fighting for fighting and fighting. And I'm like, when are we going to get 
Like, when are we going to get some just just Jon Snow awesomeness? Like, here I am. I am, like, give him his moment. Like, his moment. His moment. There we go. That's a way more simpler way of saying it. When is he going to get his moment? You know what? I don't think that was the point of his character. I don't think his point was to ever have. He had multiple moments. He was always the moment. He was, in everyone's hearts, new. He was in everyone's hearts, the king, the whoever he was around, he was always the leader. He always ended up being the leader. So, but at the end, having to be the one to kill Danny, I mean, to me, that makes sense to me because it needed to be somebody that she trusted. It needed to be somebody who, who truly did care and love for her. Because the thing with Danny is, is that she thought, she thought her ways were good and and they were but there were all I mean okay so one you can't you can't burn down the city with innocent men and children and expect you know not expect anyone to think you're kind of cuckoo batshit bananas okay so that's the first thing and I mean she always has been like she's always been violent I mean everything she's done has always been extremely violent yes she has been doing it for a good cause she however has always been extremely violent so the fact that this came out but in the way that it did I mean I don't know it's just so I like okay so me I was adjusting because I have trained myself, okay, you better adjust to what you're seeing or else you're not going to enjoy it. Like that's what I had to do when I went and saw us. So I was, I, I, I had to adjust. Okay. They're taking Danny the mad queen route. And by the, by the looks of the rest of the season, that's probably what's going to happen. So I, I need to ride with this because that's what I'm getting. And as a viewer, I just need to take that in and, you know, deal with it and that's exactly what happened I'm once again I thought she was going to die I expected her to probably die at the end I was part of me you know like the basic bitch part of me didn't want her to die I wanted her to somehow come out on top somehow be somehow but after burning down the entire multi hundreds and hundreds of men and women and children after people after King's Landing had surrendered I, I mean how do you how do you explain yourself after that you can't John being the one to kill her, I, I loved that. That was the moment that I had been, and I loved that because that was one of the only moments that broke my heart, that completely, entirely broke my heart. That was a beautiful scene. It was amazing. The way that it was, I mean, it literally looked like I was watching, I mean, it literally looked like we were watching a movie. And then Drogon comes in and melts the Iron Throne is nudging her like mom mom get up mom get up and I'm like I'm so I'm sobbing I'm this is what this is what I've been waiting for I wanted we wanted to feel this we wanted to feel something and it was so her death Danny's death thank god it was this huge death thank god she died in John's arms thank god it was that I I I mean because obviously we love her we don't want her to die however she she kind of had for the way that the story was going she kind of had to now and then John and then here we are with John who's the the actual legitimate heir and nobody still really ever finds out 
and he and he goes he's it's like he just constantly is like doing and doing and a do-gooder now he is such a do-gooder he is such a do-gooder that it it almost hurts him to a fault I mean it does hurt him to a fault but with John I was just like watching this and I just felt so like just law and like like is like he's like he's basically now he's just gonna go off and be exiled I just felt like I would just I wanted more like I wanted more for his character I wanted him to have more but once again I don't know if that necessarily was his his purpose he 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 served his purpose and like I said he was everyone's I think king in their mind so and he never was one that needed praise and that needed to have the title and was the first one to give it up but I think ending the way that it did with him going off with the wildlings and it just being I mean just being free I I that I was okay with that you know once again I'm somebody who I'm gonna look at everything and even though it makes me it might make not make me sad I don't want to hate and I don't want to look back on something because I get you know it's like my it's like literally my heart starts to grow around it and I just I love it so much that yeah there are things that I'm bummed out about and I think I there are things that I think they really dropped the ball on now we don't know why once again do I don't really know why was it budget even though I've heard multiple things from multiple people however it's it I mean we have a lot more and don't okay don't even get me started on the whole brand being king what I'm gonna say about that is it's just because I don't even feel like putting energy into talking about brand brand's whole storyline to me is just so yes it was interesting at the time it was interesting at the time because I thought it was going to go somewhere we thought this third eye raven flashing back when we're in the caves and we have the whole Hodor moment and with the children of the forest and then Bran ends up just not really and and everyone feels the same way about Bran everyone's bitched the same about Bran everyone's mad that Bran is is now the king do I get okay Yes, if they're going to move forward, me always having to justify because you know what? I love it. And I just, uh, but at the same time, like, okay, fine. Like, yeah, if, if, if they're now moving forward and how they're going to elect their leader and if they don't want to have it, not elect, if they don't want to have it be blood and they're going to actually sit around with council and elect the leader, then okay, cool. Make it be Bran, have his story. He is the story, whatever he knows. I mean, I think that's the no-brainer choice. I mean, he's basically psychic, right? He's like the psychic. Of course, make the psychic king. The psychic knows what's going to happen. Duh. So, I in, at first, I was mad at the end of that episode. I was mad at the why they were spending so much, like, um, like not empty, not empty time. What's the what's the term I'm looking for? So, at the end with Tyrion. Okay, and Tyrion. I I prepared to mourn Tyrion the entire season. I thought Tyrion was going to die. I love him. I was waiting for that one because I knew that one would probably rip a lot of hearts. And I thought that that's what their point was in this final season. Clearly it wasn't. Um, I was waiting for Tyrion to die. I'm kind of upset with where Tyrion, you know, and I love Peter Dinklage. So I love watching him and I, and I always want him to be on my screen. So I think no matter what he was doing, I liked it. Now from the perspective of the actual character of Tyrion and it's been so long that like I forget that like Tyrion was this character that was like this intelligent this intelligent imp like that was what he had going for him and he was this 
he he was smart and he knew things and he I mean that's where how he got him so far so the fact that he started to kind of crumble towards the end of the season kind of upset me but at the same time I mean if we think about it he believed in his leader he believed in her now he was doing things with his family that he that I didn't like I don't like I don't understand but I guess it's like the Lannisters they always have this weird tie to one another I mean they are freaking family no matter how many times they screw each other or not I mean actually yeah I, I what I meant was screw each other and stab each other back and actually screw each other but they are actually screwing each other so whatever I, yeah, I just, you know, y'all, see, I can, I, I can go on and on and on, and I wanted to just, this is what I wanted to do, and I wanted to just empty it all out, but that was, that was upsetting, that was upsetting, but, like, with all that being said, because I, I did want to give specific, like, detailed reasons of, and, things of I thought I did love I loved the way that it ended for Sansa like I loved her keeping the north and keeping what she's wanted through the entire show and I do think that she's a good lead and you know what everyone's like she's a bitch whatever whatever like she believes in the north and she believes in what the north stands for and she will continue to keep the north and She's just she's just the perfect she's just the perfect leader for it. And that the fact that they stayed independent, I loved that. I loved that whole piece. I thought that was amazing. I even though I was weirdly upset with the ending at first with like Dinklage was in their like council room and he was like pushing in all the chairs. I was like, okay, I get what they're doing. They're trying to do some like comedic like little like acting moments when like nobody's watching and I'm all about that from like the acting perspective I love seeing those character moments but like we can't we don't need character moments when we don't have a lot of actual screen time people so like why are we spending two three four minutes watching Tyrion push freaking chair I mean I get it because they were they they tried to end the episode very light did did anyone notice that with that whole scene and then that whole scene and then f- directly following that when Braun and Brienne and everyone was and and Bran everyone came in and sat around the table and it was like the new council and it was kind of awkward and everyone was kind of like you know jabbing at each other and, you know da 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 and oh you know can't you know this will be better next time we're still figuring things out it was a very like lighthearted scene which I enjoyed because it felt like how the show used to be in the times where everyone was just kind of quickly and smartly talking back and forth to one another. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it looking back. Now, once again, it at the time watching it, it felt it felt misplaced and it I was still kind of mourning what was happening and in the episode and. Now I can look back on it and I I like I like that part. I like that that's how it ended. Um or that's how that scene ended in King's Landing and then the last scene was of John going off with the wildlings. So I thought that was a beautiful. I thought everyone was going on their path journey. That's the way that I was choosing to live with myself and sleep at night. So now that that ther- now that my therapy session has ended, grieving how I feel I'm gonna love this show I'm always gonna love the show I'm probably gonna start the show again if I'm being completely 100% honest and I anyone who thinks otherwise I'm sorry you feel that way but I'm I'm not a hater I don't like hating things 
I can critique and I will give my opinion of what I like. But at the end of the day, I'm a true blue fan and I'm going to stay that way. Okay, so I think that's all. It saddens me. It saddens me that this is literally going to be the last time. I mean, who knows? It's it's not going to be the last time that I ever talk about. But essentially, this is going to be the last time that we ever talk about Game of Thrones on this podcast again. And that is so that is so sad. But like I said in the beginning, I feel like this was necessary. I feel like we all needed to come together because I know there's a lot of people with broken hearts out there, which I completely empathize and empathize. (laughs) I have serious speech issues. Lord, I, you know, I sympathize with those people and I try not to be one of them, even though I could really, because like I said, all in all, I love the show and that's that. I love the show. So you know what? Season eight, it was what it was. I'm going to take it because that's all that we're going to get because season eight petition is not going to do anything. Let's transition. Okay, let's transition. Not too far off, but another thing that I have been wanting to talk about since we heard that it was coming out. So Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, starring Zac Efron and Lily Collins, the Ted Bundy, or 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 probably more known as the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron on Netflix. I had... I had we had heard about I had heard about this since it was filmed in northern Kentucky Cincinnati area I had friends who saw Zac Efron filming I have friends of friends who actually worked on set whether it was camera or I I have my one of my best friends family friends does catering for all the um, shoots and filming that happens here so so, of course, everyone knew that it was happening. Zac Efron was see- was seen running around, not re- well, like running in the morning, exercising, since he's just one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever laid my eyes on. Besides this weird platinum blonde hair, which actually, for a while, it was like Malfoy white. Now he's kind of doing like a lilac silver. And I'm not going to lie. My feelings have changed partially. My I I was I, I wrote a letter to, to Zach in the last podcast. Um, I don't know if I did. I, I think I talked about his hair, but I mainly talked about how I didn't want him to become like Leonardo DiCaprio, which is just just this bad, which I mean, Leo's not living a bad life by any means. Let's just let's just set the record straight here. Um, Leo's living a very, very good life, a very good life. A life that includes models, a life that includes yachts, and things that we could probably, I know those are very basic things, but things that us humans, us peons, could probably not even imagine. Um, anyways, back to Extremely Wicked. So, okay, well, let's, let's once again approach this. So, I'm going to come from my place. So, instantly... I was jacked for the movie. I was excited that it was filmed locally. I was, I'm was, i a huge Zac Efron fan from the moment I, you know, knew I loved him in High School Music, which, you know, I'll say it, basic bitch, put your hands up in the air, but also have just also continued to watch him as an actor, and I was excited for him to get this opportunity, I, this opportunity to play this 
any act, you know, an actor's dream. This is a dream come true to an actor to play one of the most infamous serial killers of all time. So, you know, obviously everything sounds good, right? Serial killer, Ted Bundy, Zac Efron. Okay, cool. And then come to find out it's going to be on Netflix. Awesome. Even better. Now, I wasn't worried because it wasn't a rich, it wasn't like it was a Netflix original. So it wasn't like Netflix filmed it and put it on. Netflix, you know, was able to put like buy and then could, you know, which then allowed us to stream it on Netflix. So I wasn't worried because I knew that sometimes Netflix movies can be a little dicey and like not the best. So I knew. I knew I knew we were going to be fine. Now, obviously, the big question is Zac Efron. Okay, I think everyone at first was like, does he have the chops like High School Musical? And, you know, just because somebody has been cast and what they've been cast and, and keep in mind, Zac Efron is extremely talented. He's a triple threat. My God. So before anyone talks shit about the fact that he's like not a good, you know, he's a triple threat performer, which means he can sing, he can dance, and he can act. So he ought to, and he's just super fit and just really, he's a good guy. (laughs) I'm just, I'm going to bat. I'm going to bat for him. I'm in love with him. It's annoying. I know. Um, So obviously very excited. My first reaction. Now, I'm glad I did the research that I did. And I'm glad that I am the way that I am because I knew going into the movie that the movie was going to be based off of the book that was written from the perspective of Ted Bundy's long-term girlfriend. Okay, so I knew that going in. And I'm glad I knew that going in. And I had a feeling it was going to be different because when I was watching the trailers originally, I was like, okay, they're not showing a lot of gore. They're not showing a lot of murder. So I already in my mind preset, I was like, okay, so I don't think it's going to be that kind of show. And then once I found out that it was going to be from that perspective, so it was going to, we're going to be seeing Bundy through the eyes of the people that saw him and, you know, and what, what, what people saw every day versus the serial killer Ted Bundy, which no one, I mean, besides his, the crimes, which are just, I didn't know details of, of like the crime, like detail of these crimes until recently, obviously with the Ted Bundy tapes and then my own research. And then from just watching extremely wicked, I mean, some of these (laughs) like left me and I'm pretty like desensitized as a human. I mean, I just feel like and I, I know that sounds kind of like, oh, that sounds kind of dark. And I don't mean it like in a dark, like, ooh, me way. I mean it as I've, I've watched everything that you can possibly watch. I've read things. I've seen, you know, uh, just being in the day and age that we're in, we are. We are all that way. We're all just kind of naturally desensitized to anything um, remotely shocking. So, like I said, I'm glad I knew this going in because going in, I was prepared for the movie that we received, which was a lot of Ted and Liz's relationship because it was from her, you know, it's from her perspective. It's based off of, you know, diary. And um, so knowing that I knew we were going to see a love, which sounds weird, but we were going to see her love story. I mean, she was in love with this man. He helped raise her child. That wasn't his own. So we were going to see a, a kind of different movie. And I think that's the definitely the movie that we got. Acting wise, 
because that's what I, I, I'm always intrigued in and watch. And acting-wise, Lily Collins, let's just start there because this is just, let's just get her out of the way. Lily Collins, for me, always does a great job. She's consistent. She's definitely typecasted as, like, the feeble, like, the feeble female ingenue. Like, the feeble female lead who's... Who is, who's like the mousy, like just like the mousy girl next door. And she does it very well. And she plays, she's a she's a very big emotional actor. Whenever I watch Lily Collins, and she's in a couple other movies, there's one called Bones on Netflix. Um, I watched another one with her um, called Rosie. She's in way more than that, but that's just too off, too off the dome. Um, and she makes me feel when I watch her, she makes me feel sad. Like when I watch her, she portrays sadness and, um, and just dark very, very well. And there's some actresses and actors who can just do those darker parts more. Um, I remember back whenever I was picking my monologues, I always leaned towards darker, more, um dramatic and by dramatic um I mean that's that's the category that they're you know considered drama um straights I I always leaned that way and I always lived in that place because that place is a very familiar place for me um so and she is someone who's been very very vocal about um, battling with eating disorders her entire life and depression and so forth so I think there's something to it. I, she she goes there. She lives there. She does it very well. So I was I got everything I wanted from Lily Collins. I was so impressed. Um, she makes you feel like she's like like her like the life has been sucked out of her when you watch her. You literally feel like the air is being sucked out of her body and she's just being suffocated. Um, watching her performance in this, she was suffocating. She was great. Um, Zach Efron. And this was interesting. I was so excited to see how this was going to go down because Zac Efron is already this boyish, charming. I mean, the casting was brilliant. Casting him as Ted Bundy, absolutely brilliant. Looks charming, total heartthrob. People are obsessed with him. So he he already kind of had this edge, you know, into Bundy's persona smooth talking good looking guy who seduce women and not that Zac Efron seduce women and kills them but you know what I mean can seduce women so it was when I first started when I was watching it I felt like I was watching you know this this guy like this this exactly who he put he he led on to be and we 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 started to like him now, let me bring in this point right here, because this point is a point that also annoys me in conversation, okay? Because this started to get thrown around in the press after this movie first released, and there were headlines saying, Efron glorifying Bundy, or Efron is, um, Efron's performance is glorifying Ted Bundy. Okay, let's just get something straight here. When we're making a movie about a serial killer, we're already fucking glorifying them. Okay, and not even glorifying them, but we're already bringing attention to them. So that just cuts that out right there. Then you're talking about a guy who has been very vocal in playing this role, saying that this man is a, you know, this is a monster. This is a piece of shit. You're talking about the actor who has to play the role of the man that seduced America. 
and you're going to tell me that he he does that and plays a charmingly seducing role and he's glorifying Ted Bundy. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. He's an actor. I've talked about this before on this podcast. Actors with it was with Lapita Nyong'o when she was playing us. He's an actor. He's doing his job and he's doing his job really well. And that's why you're mad because it because it, it it's the same. And what I also find was fascinating was I loved how they did they re like reenacted actual news clips, actual interviews of Bundy and they showed them at the end of the movie so that was really cool to make that connection. And it was really cool to see Zach and see Ted. I okay, this is what I liked about Zach Efron's performance because some people are like, well, like we didn't I mean, yeah, do of course, do we want to watch gore and do we want to watch murder scenes? Yeah, and I and, and I know that sounds weird. Some people might be less weird. I'm like, no, that's that's like that's and that's why everyone complained because it didn't have enough it it, it didn't have enough killing. Which I get. But at the same time, okay, let's look at what we have. So I'm looking at Zac Efron playing this part and doing everything of what <laughs> the whole story is crazy. Ted Bundy escaped twice. He escaped from prison. He then escaped from the court. He escaped twice. So that was, it just was so, it was so fun. And it was so fun to see Northern Kentucky in the background and see places that I've actually been in. Okay, back to Efron. I'm sorry. I keep skipping around. Back to Efron. Zach Efron was extremely controlled. He was controlled, and it was almost like, and more towards the end of the movie, and what I absolutely loved about the final scene, about uh, Zach and Lily's final scene in the prison. If you haven't watched it, spoiler alert. I loved that scene because that was the scene for me and not even not even seeing Zach then or Ted strike. We we finally get the one piece we've been waiting for. We finally see Zach Efron playing Ted Bundy attack a girl with a crowbar. So there's that scene. And so not only do we physically get to see it, we actually see the crime happen. We are then brought to this very close up, this very close up shot of Zach and Lily back and forth. She's begging him, begging him to tell her the truth, to set her free. She's been his prisoner. He's on death row. Like, let me go. Give me what I give me what I need. Um, now, this isn't exactly how this went down, per se. Um, however, nonetheless, still bone chilling. But for but for Zach's performance in that scene, you literally see it in his face, in his eyes. You see, and I don't know what they do with the makeup. It was, it was bomb, but he looked evil. Like you could see, like you could just see it underneath. Like he had this beautiful exterior, but you could feel like kind of like a, kind of like a shake in the hand. You know, like you can kind of hold it down and kind of stop it, you know, kind of like a tremor, a tremor in the hand. You can, I don't have a tremor and I don't know how I know this, but I'm go with me, go with me here. You have a tremor in your hand and you can kind of hold your hand down and stop it, but you can only do that for so long. And I got that vibe with the way that Zach played Ted. It was like, well, one, we got to see this how Ted Bundy completely compartmentalized his life. And that's what serial killers and actual psychopaths do. And I know that I threw around the word psychopath, but the actual, like the mental condition that 
most serial killers, they have this way of compartmentalizing this. So Ted can live this life with Liz because he can literally shut off the fact that he can brutally murder women and keep it just so separate. And it's like he's putting on this, yeah, like a sheep's like it was like, yeah, like a what's the saying? A, a snake in sheep's clothing or a lion in sheep's clothing. I don't know. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But he was energetic. He was boyish. He was controlled. He and I and I wrote this note really, really big in my notebook when I was watching the show. I am because I that's what I constantly do. I'm constantly taking notes and I'm constantly keeping keeping track. And I wrote he knew how to bottle the monster. Like that was my one note for just watching him was he knew how to bottle the monster. He knew how to keep that monster right underneath the surface. But even when you looked at him, you can just tell. So as you can see, I think he did a great job. Now let's talk about the actual. So let's talk about what people were upset about, where people were upset because they thought we were going to see more of the killings. I completely understand that. They thought we were going to see the crimes and we didn't. We didn't see any of that now. And I know people were saying, you know, well, we that would have been nice going in. And yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't it wasn't ever plastered anywhere. Um, so yeah, for somebody who's walking into it, who pr- kind of stays free of like internet and doesn't really do any kind of clicking of headline, I completely understand you being thrown off and not what you expect. Um, now going into the movie, if you knew what you were going into, um, it was a completely different movie. And I enjoyed it yeah there were parts that were there were parts that were slow for sure um it was definitely a more kind of one of those movies where you definitely sit and you have to watch it from start to finish because man if you there's some there's some parts that like you don't you just don't want to miss so all in all extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile okay out of five crowbars I'm gonna give it four I'm gonna give it (laughs) four four crowbars you know it was good like I loved it it was good it was great in in you know Megan world and I enjoyed everyone in it um I wish they I wish maybe we could have gotten a little something else just 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 a little bit like I'm not asking for a shit ton I'm not asking for a totally different movie trust me um I wanted I wanted to see I wanted to see Zach snap a little bit more a little bit he did it very, like, good and controlled and, like, emotional and under the surface. But I wanted to see a little, like, I wanted to see his acting chops is mainly what I wanted to see. I wanted to see him kind of snap a little bit. So that was Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. If you have not watched it, go watch it on Netflix. It's a great watch. But now you know what you're getting into. So, yeah. Okay, let's bounce around to The Bachelorette. So for all my Bachelorette or any reality TV lovers out there, The Bachelorette started... Our bachelorette is Hannah Brown, which I'm just going to say that I did announce way before it came out. So just want to put that out there. Um, Alabama Hannah is our bachelorette. And going into this season, I said on previous podcasts, I'm all about it. Am I a little bit nervous for her kind of media presence? Absolutely. But I know she's going to get the training. And now will she be able to turn it around really quick and be able to apply that training? I hope so. So going in, I loved this season premiere. I absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, they're always 
they get kind of boring and I kind of fan in and out of them. But like overall, like I loved Hannah. Actually, at one point, I thought Hannah was wearing an earpiece because she was doing she was doing so well that I was like, there's no way in hell. And her hair was down. and It was really big. And she did have one ear covered. And she gave this like really well articulated, obviously written speech, which is fine. Like, I mean, I, I have nothing against her and I have nothing against anyone like kind of like prepping her for toast that she has to give I don't blame it but I definitely was convinced that she was wearing an, an earpiece and I'm also I'm I'm not convinced that they don't wear earpieces sometimes um but I definitely thought that I think she's she's gorgeous she's funny she's awkwardly real I love in her in her intro reel how when they were doing the contemplation shots of her which are where they literally which are those dumb scenes where we hear their voice like they're like the bachelor or the bachelorette's voice over but then we see them like walking in a field not talking looking down looking up at the sky looking off they're called contemplation shots and they literally will take them and film said contemplation shots of just them walking around looking down contemplating things so it was really cute to see in Hannah's contemplation videos her like looking up and then looking straight at the camera breaking that fourth wall that I love so much and saying I don't know what to do with my hands I'm like yes I love that and at first I was like oh god and then they did it again and I was like okay I love it I love that they're going with her story like that she's not perfect and she's not going to be perfect and she doesn't want them to be perfect and I'm like yes let's do this this is so good okay I'm totally I'm totally into it um Let's talk about the guys just kind of all over since it's kind of a little bit crazy right now. I wasn't really, my socks weren't knocked off by anyone initially, like even really look wise. But I mean, obviously there's attractive guys on there, but normally there's like one or two guys that I'm like, damn, I love him. I just didn't, I guess there was maybe a cut. There's a couple, but I'm not going to say I was like obsessed that I'm like know anyone by first name, except for Luke P who's the psycho who's already told Hannah that he loves her. Okay. So he's definitely like, he's definitely nuts. Cause he was the one in the beginning who was saying how like he was attractive. He knew he was attractive. He knew girls thought he was attractive and he took advantage of that. And then he, God spoke to him in the shower and then it shows him highlighting his Bible and then working out. He's a psychopath. So yeah, he got the first impression Rose and it's been like Hannah, it loves him because he's being extremely forward. And if there's nothing that girls love more, it's when a guy is even more nutty and straight and forward than they are. They love it. They latch on like monkeys because he's getting, he's giving her what she wants and what she's looking for. And so she's hooked. She's hooked. And then she's going to find out that he's a nut and that he's like a pathological liar. Somebody's a pathological liar on the show. So I'm, I, I can't wait for that. But other than that, I don't, I, it's still, it's, it's way, it's way too early. I, I have not even remotely like spent that much time looking into these guys. I'm kind of just letting it happen organically because the first couple of episodes are pretty much fuzz and noise anyways. So, but all about it. So if anyone's watching that, excited, excited. Okay. Let's talk about some new trailers that dropped because everyone loves trailers because trailers get people happy and trailers are the best part of going to the movie theaters. So let's talk trailers. Handmaid's Tale season three. The trailer dropped. It looks insane. I'm super excited because last season I was getting a little pissed. I was getting a little antsy. Um, Anyone who watches Handmaid's Tale understands and knows. And if you don't watch it, Handmaid's Tale is available on Hulu. 
um, the first two seasons are. It is a great show. It's a dramatic, it's dark, it's twisted. It takes place in a dystopian world, um, which is basically like a if it was like something that happened in a present day situation, like kind of something apocalyptic or um, not necessarily apocalyptic, but something that could happen in the modern day time period that would pretty much kind of just make it a completely different like universe or time or whatever. So basically we're getting the vibe in this trailer that Offred, which I hate that name, but Offred is back and she's teaming up with the dad from Get Out. And also, what else was he just? Shit. And I didn't, I, damn it. I didn't look this up. Shame on me. But he's the dad from Get Out, which hopefully you can look him up and whatever. But she's teaming up with him and he's in on it and they're going in and they're going to, they're going to mess shit up. So he, she is. Offred becomes his handmaid, but he's in on, he's in on the whole thing. Like he's, he's, they're like trying to infiltrate and they go back in and basically it's her infiltrating and having the support to infiltrate. It's going to be great. And it's going to be the action that I've been waiting for forever because last season I was getting a little fed up. So Handmaid's Season Tale or Handmaid's Tale Season 3, and I'm pretty sure that comes out very, very soon. So that trailer got me super jacked. Um, it chapter two trailer dropped and let me tell you something it was one of the scariest trailers I've ever seen in a very long time there is nothing more frightening than a naked old lady and when you have a naked old lady doing demonic shit in the background it's going to be freaky it's going to be weird if you haven't seen it watch it now watch it with your lights off but um, so, yeah, it chapter two dropped the trailer. The movie's coming out September 6th. So right in that fall period of time when we're getting ready for everything spooky and scary and my birthday. Super excited. I cannot wait to see all of our characters grown up. I can I'm very mainly obviously excited for Jessica Chastain. I love her. Um, she's in Zero Dark Thirty as well as The Help. Bill Hader. Can't wait to see Bill Hader in this. I feel like this is going to be more his speed. I'm watching him in Barry right now. And I'm into the show Barry and I like it, but I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on his character. So I'm excited to see Bill Hader in this. And then obviously one of my loves and passions, James McAvoy from the X-Men from Split. He's going to be um, in it as well. Um, and this is 27 years later. So part two, 27 years later. And Pennywise is back to wreak havoc. I'm so excited. Can't wait. So that dropped. Black Mirror, any Black Mirror fans out there? Black Mirror just dropped their season five trailer, and the show's actually set to release June 5th. Now, Black Mirror is also kind of, it is another, it's a series, it's a Netflix original series. Actually, it wasn't originally Netflix. I think it was BB, was it BBC for a season, and then Netflix picked it up. Anyways, now Netflix is um, putting it out. But basically, each season, um, is compiled of episodes that are completely separate storylines. So every single episode is different characters, different storylines, completely different worlds. And it's also, they take place in dystopian universes, future, past, different. It's strange. It's crazy. It has a lot to do with technology um, and how technology has changed and is going to change or is changing or has changed our surroundings. 
our environment. It's terrifying. It's freaky. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on Black Mirror that happened on Black Mirror and that it actually happened in real life. So people are like freaking it. And I have moments all the time, all the time where I will think of Black Mirror. Like there's one episode on Black Mirror that absolutely is so crazy and creepy to me. And it's not even that creepy of an episode visually to like consume. The idea conceptually is so scary to me. It's called Nosedive. I'm not sure what season it was because I wasn't planning on actually, I I don't know. I was going to, this is just what happens. Um, Nosedive season two or three there's not a lot of season and there's not a lot of episodes in the season so it's very easy to find Bryce Dallas Howard is actually the actress that stars in that episode um she was in Lady in the Water she was also in um the village redhead she's um Robert Howard's uh daughter anywho she stars and it basically the episode is all about technology like all about our um, social media ranking like your actual number ranking and what it allows you to it like that allows you to rent that allows you to be um, to like literally rent a car rent a house Um, it it just it basically is social suicide and then people around you rate you so like everyone's like thank you have a great day and then like swiping and like giving it giving each other five stars five stars or if something happens somebody will be like and give somebody one star and they'll be like why'd you do that and then it lowers the rating and then like you can't get on certain flights it was just wild it's a wild episode it gave me anxiety because I was like oh my god I can totally see that I mean we're already doing that already I mean there's already things happening that are like that creepy Um, So the new season dropped. This season looks totally different than any of our other seasons. It actually looks like, I believe, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I only watched the trailer once, but it looked like almost like a continuing storyline or what it looked like was separate storylines all happening at one time. Um, and they're like kind of inner, like intertwined, which is very different from all the other previous seasons. Like I said, they were separate entities. Each episode was a different story that had a beginning, middle and an end. So very excited for that. Black Mirror is a really, I, I recommend it. Not every episode is probably going to sit well with you and you're probably not, I don't like every single episode. I actually like have stopped. There was a couple that I actually turned our did I ever turn any? I don't know if I've ever turned something. I don't think I've ever, Well, anyways. So I recommend Black Mirror. Another trailer that came out. So if you're if that sounds interesting, you can check that out. Um, okay, let's finish this episode up with one of my final things that I've been talking about and talking about and talking about. And it's that um, I believe I know who the next Bachelor is. The next Bachelor, I do believe, is Bobby Bones, who I talked about in my last pa- my last podcast. Um, just a little recap for anyone who's like, who the hell is that? Well, he's a national syndicated. He's the top national syndicated radio, country radio show in America right now. Um, he's on American Idol. He's a New York Times two times best number one bestseller. He has a comedy band. He's a stand-up comedian separately. He has his own podcast network. Um, it's the list. He was the youngest member inducted into the radio or to the radio hall of fame. He beat Ryan Seacrest, which is insane people insane. Um, that just goes to show you that his fan following is so crazy big and loyal. I'm so, I'm so convinced he's going to be our next bachelor and here's why. So he's been, he's not been shy. He's talked about it on his radio show saying that 
they have come at him and they've they they like want him they want him to be the next bachelor okay so i know i've talked about that let's talk about the actual facts so recently he was talking on the radio show and all of his co-hosts i think they know at this point because he did make a post on his instagram recently stating that he was going to be gone in the upcoming months he's going to be gone for a while filming a show and he was saying that because he was saying how when he told everyone on the show they were all kind of freaking out because it's like gonna be a while um and it's gonna be in california now bobby has a contract with abc the channel abc so that's the show um oh duh he won dancing with the stars so he has a contract with abc that is puts him on american idol as the in-house mentor that put him on dancing with the stars that they told him he was only going to make it the first four weeks and he ended up winning the show and i told everyone he was going to um and what else is on the bat or what else is on abc the bachelor so he was saying how he was going to be gone for a while it is going to be in california uh he then was also talking on the show because somebody made a comment like oh the bachelor and then they were saying like okay like what's going on with that like really and he's very very tight-lipped he's like i have to be he's like i have to be very careful with what i say right now he's like you know and, and he's always very elusive like he'll say one thing and i'll be like you know no but now it's like getting it's getting pretty obvious so he was saying that like so he met hannah the other night um, on the American Idol finale, Alabama Hannah, our bachelorette. And it was funny because he was talking about on on his show how Hannah, the bachelorette, actually DM'd him like months and months ago because she's a fan of the show. She listens to his, like she listens every day to his radio show. So she like waved him down backstage and he was like, who is that? Like, I don't know who that is. And he's like, is that some like news reporter? Like, I don't. So he like walked up to her and then come to find out it was her and, then he said some other things how they then had to like do this bit where they were like they were sitting together in the audience and he's like we you know had to kind of do things he was being very like he he wasn't giving details about why they were doing things and then he said they were together but they were miked so they couldn't really talk as they were asking like oh was she like giving you advice about the bachelor and he was like well mm. and they're like what like it's, he so he was saying they were miked backstage so that he was like he told her not to say anything and he was said they were texting on their phones back and forth texting and then showing each other on their phones back and forth and that's how they were communicating because he didn't want anything said over mike i'm telling you it's guys this is this is happening so let's all just get on this boat now he then said that they just wrapped about five days ago filming the bachelorette um they're gonna move on to film bachelor in paradise or they're we're gonna watch the bachelorette we're then going to see bachelor in paradise he said bachelor in paradise is when they're going to finalize things for the bachelor but that's all that he's saying so anyways if we just want to sit on that goose egg for a hot minute oh my god i have to i have to say something about okay kim okay kim and kanye had their fourth baby right and everyone knows how the name is psalm west literally spelled p-s-a-l-m west like the biblical term psalm which which i i okay (laughs) the kanye's sunday service i I don't know if anyone if you're not following kim kardashian one i understand two i don't because the footage of the sunday services that she posts on her instagram they're in like there are these intricate delicate crazy gospel performances that they're they just have every sunday it's 
if you're not following, you have to go follow her just to watch these Sunday services. But so Kim and Kanye named their fourth child Psalm West. And you know what? Good for him. And he's the and actually there was a blind uh, palm reader in Bali that told Kim that her dad, Robert Kardashian, was going to be reincarnated into her second son. And no one knew Kim had a second son at that time. But she really did. So that was kind of cool. Anywho, I just had to say that because I thought that was absolutely nuts. And I loved it and I laughed. Okay, that's going to be it for this week's episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our therapy session. I know I enjoyed it. I needed to get that off my chest with Game of Thrones. I really wanted to talk about Extremely Vile and The Bachelorette. So I hope we enjoyed this therapy session together. Please subscribe on iTunes. Give me, give an episode, give the podcast five stars, tell a friend. It's always great. Word of mouth. It's beautiful. It's lovely. Um, you can follow the podcast at Matt Yet Mighty on Instagram. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Megan Cipollone, and I'll talk to you next time.